This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Hollywood Hotel. Good evening. Just a moment, I'll connect you. Hello and welcome to the 73rd annual Predicties, basketball's most glamorous night. I'm your host, Andrew Norris, and with me on this sacred night is my co-host, Parker Hammond. Thank you very much, Andrew. Ever since some old guy in Massachusetts tossed a ball into a peach basket and decided to make a big deal out of it, basketball has made an impression on the hearts and minds of Americans everywhere. Tonight, we will honor that impression by handing out awards that are also predictions, as many have done for the last 46 years. We're honored to continue this tradition of excellence. Uh, and Parker, as we go into our 86th annual Predicties, I just want to ask, what is the part you look forward to most every year? Uh, all of the celebrities that show up to support us, uh, as well as uh, finding out what things we got drastically, drastically wrong. Yes, of course. And if you look behind us, I mean, you can just see. All of my best friends are here. Mm-hmm. They support us as they always do. Uh, but let's let's jump right into it. On, on such a glamorous night, you don't you don't want to waste any time. Uh, so it's here actually to announce the first award is going to be Parker Hammond announcing the Dragon Bender Award. Give it up for him, folks. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you for that nice introduction. Uh, the Dragon Bender Award is given out annually to the team that's two years away from being a year away. This year's Dragon Bender Award winner is the Sacramento Kings. And this is actually the Sacramento Kings' second consecutive year winning the Dragon Bender Award, uh, which I think is something we need to talk about here, actually, because uh, yeah. it's a team that has a ton of intrigue, right? Uh, from drafting Tyrese Halliburton to De'Aaron Fox's $150 million-plus extension uh, to losing Bogdanovich, um, they are where the Kings belong, and that is I don't think any of us really have any idea. We know they're going to be bad. Uh, but how bad are they going to be? Would you agree with me that that's the question with this team? They're going to be really bad. Uh, but the reason why they win the two years away from a year away award is because they've got some like kind of maybe interesting young players, right? Like you said, De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, who's pretty good. And I mean, Jabari Parker's not that old, could still be something. Kyle Guy. Uh, they've got some interesting pieces down there, but none of them are particularly good. Yeah, and like they got guards for days, right? They uh -huh. got Buddy, they got Fox, and I think Halliburton is going to be a really, really good player. Um, but it's just like I, I don't know if they're ever going to get everything to fit and fit at the right time in Sacramento. Uh, so I'm going to say like I, I don't know, just just a random thought. I think they're going to finish in the bottom three teams in the West, be competing for that number one pick, where they would add another guard if they got it. So. They also are kind of in this weird see who's going to blink first standoff. Uh, with Buddy Heald right now, and I don't know how that's going to end, if it's going to end with a, with a chase and a Bronco down the L.A. highways, or if it's going to end with a trade, or if it's going to be kind of somewhere in the middle. But that hasn't resolved itself yet and will at some point during the year, for the better or worse, of the Sacramento Kings. That it will. That it will. 
All right, and on such a prestigious night, you never want to waste any time. And I have been lucky enough to be graced with the honor of announcing our next award, which is the 10th place in the East Award. Uh, this is given annually to a team that will affect the NBA the least, creating a ripple so small, it's almost as if it isn't even there. And the winner of this award, the Orlando Magic. Oh, congratulations to the Orlando Magic. Who are who are nominated for the fifth year in a row, uh, and they've won three times in the last five years. Congratulations to them. They are stalwarts of this award, and the tenth place in the East goes through Orlando. It does, as always. Uh, you know, the Orlando Magic had a chance to to take themselves completely off the list of nominees for this this year, um, but when they knew uh, that making a deal for Russell Westbrook would take them off the list of nominees, they said, "No way. This is our <laughs> award." This is the one we will win. Uh, but I think that's the story of the Magic's offseason. They did nothing. Uh, I think they could have had Russ. I think they could have made it happen, even with him kind of, it seeming like he wanted to kind of go to Washington and play with Beal, um, which I don't know. I mean, everybody who listens to this show knows we're not like huge rush ga Russ guys. We don't push him being the superstar of all superstars, but... On a team like the Magic, he pushes you to at least that next level. Instead of the eighth seed getting killed by the Bucks, you might be a five seed with at least a chance to win a playoff series. Um, so not only are they in the running and winning this award once again, but they live by this award. The way that franchise is ran is, is for this award, which I think personally is why they were handed the victory this year for this award. You know, Taco Bell is a brand that lives Moss. And the Orlando Magic are a brand that finishes 10th place in the East. Uh, who's, what's the most interesting thing about the Orlando Magic this year? Is it Mo Bamba? Is it maybe Markel Fultz? It's Markel Fultz. Okay. Uh, from what I'm hearing uh, on the Twitterverse, uh, he, he's getting healthier. The nerves in his shoulder or whatever it was are kind of getting back to what? normal. Okay. And his jump shot is looking a little bit more like it did at Washington, which was a smooth as hell jump shot. Uh, I think most of us know that like those nerves were causing a hitch in his jumper, right? Uh, couldn't get it up straight, couldn't get it up smooth. That's what she said. And uh, he he is getting healthy, and it's finally working again. And the video I saw, man, that jumper did look smooth. Again. Is that so? Is that for sure what happened to Markel Fultz? It was for sure a nerve problem in his shoulder. I think it was two things. I'm speculating on one. Nerve problem, 100%. That happened. I also think there was a number two of some sort of anxiety or something with that. From everything I was reading when it was happening, that seemed to be a big problem. Uh, but it seems like he's overcoming that as well, which is much harder to overcome than a shoulder injury. So good for him. Hmm. Agree? Disagree? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, do, I, I do agree with that. I. It's, but even now in your what what year of Markel Fultz is this? Is this year four? Four. Year four of Markel Fultz. It's just a lot less intriguing than it was. It's just like okay, the guy's probably like the thirtieth best point guard in the league. Okay, you know that's what we got, and that's fine. But it's not. It's a lot less interesting, especially if they do make a trade and they do trade away Jonathan Isaac or Aaron Gordon or any of the other not quite good enough to be your best player, but too good to be your fifth best player guys that they have. Uh, then maybe, then maybe we'll talk, but it's going to be another year of anonymity for the Orlando Magic. Yes, of course. As it always is, um, one of the most consistent winners of any award we will have tonight. So 
bravo to them. What's up, guys? Josh Childress here. I want to let you know you're watching the 53rd annual Predictis, basketball's most glamorous night. You know, if I were to be getting an award tonight, I think it'd probably be most likely to enjoy being teammates with Kyrie Irving. All right, y'all. Have a good night. Enjoy. And now it's time for the Jason Tatum is only 19 years old award, given annually to a player who's surprisingly young, seems good, and hasn't won anything. Time to open up the envelope. It's Ben Simmons. Come on oh, down, Ben Simmons. Congratulations to Ben Simmons. This is uh, probably the least prestigious award that Ben Simmons has ever won. Uh <laughs> And unfortunately, Ben Simmons actually couldn't be here tonight, uh, so I will be accepting this uh, award on his behalf. So thank you. Uh, ben Simmons is only 24, man. Ben Simmons yeah. feels like an old man. Uh, but more importantly, I want to talk about the Sixers for a second, and that is that team is going to be better this year. They got mm -hmm. shooting finally. Seth Curry, uh, Embiid, I just got this gut feeling Embiid's going to shoot like he did a couple years ago, more so than how he did last year. Uh, and... As we do every year walking in, is Ben Simmons going to shoot 43s this year? Is it going to be the year where he might step into the corner and launch a jumper? I don't think so. I, I just don't think he ever will. And I, I don't know if I think that he needs to. Maybe once he's older and he's kind of in that like Blake Griffin part of his career where he isn't as vertical as he used to be and isn't quite as athletic and has to like find a way to get buckets in the way that Blake does, which I feel like is insulting to Blake who is like a seriously lights out shooter. But uh, I don't think he's ever going to develop it. I don't think that anybody like who's legitimately in his circle thinks that he should. That's silly though. I mean like th Maybe. that is their biggest that is the biggest missing piece right now. If Ben Simmons was a 32-33% jump shooter, this could very well be the best team in the NBA. I mean that's that's how good these guys are. These top two guys. They get underrated because they don't do like all the things all the top 10 guys in the league do. But, the, you know, Simmons adds a 30% jumper and Embiid adds just like a little bit more versatility all around. And that team's as good as anybody in the league. Um, but with that being said, I think this is probably the third best team in the East this year. Uh, so they have the potential to be the best team in the East this year, as they do every year. Uh, do you think that Doc Rivers is the guy to unlock that for them? I think he was like their best option. Uh, yeah. And I think Doc Rivers is the first coach Simmons is going to have that if he like wants him to start shooting jumpers, he'll go in there and he'll be like, Ben, shoot some jumpers now. And Ben Simmons is kind of going to have to listen. Uh, ben, anytime you're the first overall pick, you kind of come in with some golden boy with you where you can kind of do what you want, get away with some things. Mm -hmm. And Doc Rivers isn't going to let that fly. So I think, it's, I think it's a good hire. I don't know if it's the hire that's going to get him to the promised land, though. I think that there's maybe some questions for me with some of the pieces around him. I know everybody likes Seth Curry, and I know that he's a better fit maybe than Josh Richardson was, but I don't know if I think that he's a better basketball talent than Josh Richardson is. So I I'm going to want to see kind of what this looks like. Getting rid of Al Horford is huge. Getting rid of that contract was huge for them. It, it just opens up so much more space for activities on their roster. Uh, they have Michigan's own Derek Walton Jr. on the squad this year to go with – you know, some interesting bench guys. Shake Milton, just kidding. Uh, Ooh, by uh, the way, just I have to throw this out there. Not that anybody cares, but I got to tell you guys anyways. Derek Walton has the high, eighth highest rated three-point rating on NBA 2K this year. It's an 89. That dude can't shoot. He can't. I mean, he had like a good like 30 attempts last year, but 
Anyway, Danny Green's going to be there. That. Danny Green is like he's tested. You know, you know for sure what you're going to get with Danny Green, and that's a yeah, guy like, who's great occasionally, but like good at shooting otherwise. Like he's and let's he's stop, useful on the defensive end too. Let's sorry. stop overreacting to one poor postseason performance by Danny Green. He's been money in the postseason his entire career before last year. He obviously got in his head. The bubble got to him. Danny Green's a damn good player. Yep. Uh, obviously, uh, year two of Matisse Thibel is also going to be interesting to see if, speaking of a guy who needs to develop a jump shot, uh, see what he can, if he can become anything better than a more stacked version of Bruce Brown. That's actually, I like that. That's a good comparison. He's, I mean, he's, yeah. he's got a chance to be like a top five defender in basketball. He's that good at defense. Yeah. Um, he's just got to get to a guy – He's got to become a guy who can score 12 points a game. That's it. If that, yeah. yeah, Just needs to be able to shoot some open shots. Uh, Where do you think – how do you think that they line up with Ben Simmons? Is he going to be a four or is he going to be – I think he should. I think he should. I don't know if Doc Rivers is modern enough to, like, play him at the four Mm -hmm. uh, and still let him run the offense. Um, So I think he'll start the season at point guard and they might eventually be forced to put him at the four. Uh, but he should be playing the four. It should be him and Embiid down low. Because he can do everything you need a four to do, and then you get an extra ball handler and shooter on the floor at the point guard position. So that seems pretty simple to me, but they haven't done it full-time yet. So It's so nice. I mean, with Ben Simmons, too, like even if you're playing against a bigger roster, right, like a bigger team like the Lakers, for example, I don't know if I want Ben Simmons guarding Anthony Davis, but I'm sure they can find a way to keep him on the court and find somebody else to bang down low like that. I mean, I, I would rather have Ben Simmons guarding Anthony Davis or somebody along those lines than a lot of power forwards in this league. I don't think he's going to, like, run him off the court. Ben Simmons has become a top, top notch oh, yeah. defender. He was um, all defensive last year, right? First team? Honestly, I – Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Okay, he was I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. But, I, like, I'm, I'm okay with him defending any four in the league. He can do it. Is he going to shut down Anthony Davis? No, but nobody is. You, like, you can stick – Dennis Rodman on Anthony Davis, he's not shutting him down. So uh, I think the Sixers are up there. I think they got a chance, like you said, to if they hit their absolute ceiling, they could be the best team in the East with like a stumble from the Nets and the Bucks. So a lot would have to happen, but it's on the table. It's possible. Uh, do you want to briefly? Do you want to briefly say who got second place in this award? Yes, Demontis Bonus uh, actually came in second place for this award. Uh, Twenty-four years of age. Feels like he's been around for a while. Not like he's not uh, Perry Jones or, or Perry Ellis or anything like that. Um, but you know, Perry Ellis. It, it feels like he has been around for a while for 24 years old. So Demontis Sabonis, hey, good run at it. You really gave it your best, uh, and don't feel bad about second place. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm getting word from my producer. I'm being handed a second envelope. Jason Tatum has also won the Jason Tatum Award this year. Wow, congratulations to Jason Tatum. Two winners of the Jason Tatum Award this year. For Jason the, Tatum, of course, is only 23 years old. For the first time in the seven-year history of this wow. prestigious award show, we have an award with two winners. That's incredible. Good for you, Jason Tatum. His fourth great year winning the award. Um just a record run. A record run that I'm not sure will ever be matched. The unparalleled GOAT. Of how young can you believe how young this guy is? Yeah. Wow. Still hasn't won anything. No. Will soon, though. Will soon, for sure. 
Maybe. Do you want to talk about the Celtics now? Because yeah, I don't think yeah. that it's this year either for the Celtics, quite frankly. I don't I don't know what they have to do to get over the hump. Uh, it, like, obviously, Jason Tatum needs to turn into, like, a legit MVP candidate. Yeah, right? that's what it is. Yeah. But even with that, if Jason Tatum adds four points a game and a rebound and assist, I mean, he's pretty much an MVP candidate. They need more than that. They need Jalen Brown to take one more leap. Uh, they need a little bit more power down low. I mean, they're so close, but they still feel so far away. They're, they've And it's yeah. the same place they've been in for three years now. They're objectively worse this year. They don't have Gordon Hayward anymore. They didn't really get anything for him. Uh, they added a useful center. Kemba Walker might have a really serious knee problem, like a long-term career uh, – What's the what, what word do I want to use here? Career-affecting knee injury. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't – I don't think that they're better this year. Do you? Uh, I think they could be. Um, I don't think the roster is, like, noticeably worse uh, unless Kemba really is unhealthy. Um, the thing about Kemba that I think could hurt the Celtics franchise in the long term is the report came out that Danny Ainge was looking to trade him or at least shopping around a little bit this offseason. And that would be the second point guard in less than half a decade that they've done that to. Have this guy go out, play his ass off, and then try to trade him in the offseason as soon as there's an injury. Um, and from what I've read, there is word getting around about Danny Ainge where there is no loyalty, there is no love. Yeah. You are a tool in the tool belt for him. Yeah. Um, and you better get this thing figured out and start winning titles before people are like, fuck that, I'm not going to play for the Celtics. I'm not going to put everything on the line for that team in that city and then get kicked out the second something a little bad happens to me. So yeah, it, 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 it could either be a t year of turmoil or a year where Jason Tatum just says, nah. The East, the East is at least partially mine from now on. I'm here with you, Giannis. I'm here with you, Simmons. I'm here with you, Jimmy Butler, um, and sees if he can push that team kind of to that next level, which isn't out of the question. I mean, he's a damn good player. The thing about it is, you know, I feel like they've made small leaps the whole way through, and it feels like twice a year we're like, uh-oh, here comes Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is turning into James Harden, and it really doesn't last for more than a couple of weeks. And Jalen Brown is, like, just on that next tier below him where it's like, oh, maybe Jalen Brown is putting it all together and becoming Paul George, but he's just not there yet. And my prediction with Jason Tatum is that even if he does make us another mini leap this year, he's never. I don't think he's ever going to be that MVP guy. I think he's going to have to be your second or third guy. I just think that that's what he's going to be in five years. That's what we'll look back on him as. As They probably should have moved off of one of those two guys for Anthony Davis. Yes, 100%. Yeah. They, I mean, I get if you're like hesitant to do it with Tatum. But the fact that they weren't going to put Brown in a deal, what do you expect the Pelicans to accept from you? Like right. tackle ball yeah. and a second-round pick? That's not, yeah. that's not happening. Uh, and, and that's Danny Ainge having this war chest of assets and being too stubborn with it. He's had the pieces to go trade for a superstar since like 2015, and he hasn't got it done because he refuses to trade any real assets. Um, and Anthony Davis plus Jason Tatum plus the rest of that team wins the title this past year. It Probably. wins the title. Uh, and they missed their shot. And now we're kind of in this weird zone. I know John Wall requested a trade, but... We haven't had uh, a top, top superstar uh, request to trade in a year and a half, which shouldn't sound too long, but in the last decade of NBA terms, that is a, a fortnight. Right. Yeah, at least. Sure. Like, it's it's a long time. Um, so Celtics, I, I'm not going to put a number on them because they, the, they could be the one seed and they could be the fifth seed 
you know, with one injury or two injuries, they could be the fifth seed. So I, I think they're pretty locked into the third or fourth seed. I think that that's just right where that team is. And it's kind of weird to see a team stuck in that specific purgatory. I don't know. I can't remember another team that was like that, where it was like, man, they're just the third best team in their, in their conference, and they can get to the Eastern Conference Finals or the Western Conference Finals. Do you think they could, if they faced up, if they matched up against the Bucks or the Nets in the playoffs, do they have a chance to beat either one of those teams in a seven-game series? Well, I mean, I don't, I really don't know what I feel like we're going to get out of the Nets, but matchup-wise, Kevin Durant is not good for them. No. I mean, he's not good for anybody. Anybody, but he's yeah. Especially not good for the Celtics. And I mean, they've got some guards who can defend, so maybe Kyrie Irving, but. Maybe Kyrie Irving won't be a problem, but I see that being a really almost impossible team for them to beat. I mean, Kevin Durant is just Jason Tatum times 10% really right now. So I don't see a way through either one of those teams. You can talk me into the Bucks because as we've seen for the last couple of years, the Bucks lose and lose playoff series. There's there's one every year. Uh, so I you could talk me into them beating the Bucks, but not the Nets, I don't think. Not in the seven-game series. Oh. And I also don't know if you saw, uh, Jason Tatum is now 6'10", they announced today. He, what? He has That's grown a lie. two inches. No, That's because a lie. the NBA has a new rule where teams get fined since last year if they lie about height. So once they get into preseason and training camp, they have to report an accurate height. And Jason Tatum is 6'10". How tall, do you know how tall Kevin Durant was? What do you mean was? Was on that report. Like, oh, 6'11", now that, now that I think. Okay. What yeah. about LeBron? Six eight still, but okay. <sighs> I you see pictures and videos of LeBron standing next to like Anthony Davis, and he's damn near the same height. I mean, damn near the same height. Yeah, uh, Anthony Davis is like six eleven, six ten, right? Yeah. So well, I don't want to go against what I just said, where you know this is true now because they'll get fined. But uh-huh. LeBron breaks those rules, so LeBron gets sure. to do what he wants. So whatever. <laughs> The human, yeah. Give me, give me some air karate. Let's start things out with some air karate, and then we'll move on to the show from there. Wow. Right. Are you feeling centered? I'm feeling centered. My 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 chi is where it needs to be. Uh, I got some yin. I got some yang. Uh, up next, we have the Gold Star Award. Uh, this is actually given to the team that's trying really hard. I mean, they're doing they their best. They go all out. Never take a minute off. And for that, they get a gold star. And that is going to be the Los Angeles Clippers. Wow. Uh, congratulations. Yes, big congratulations. Through, I don't know, 50 years of that franchise, um, you know, they've had some rough years. And they've always come out fighting. Uh, we saw this We saw this really uh, lived up to and shown when they were the eight seed, taking on the one seed Warriors two years ago. Um, and then they, they finally take their big boy swing, and they get Kawhi Leonard, and they get Paul George, and they're going for it. And then they start hitting the sides of backboards, uh, and it, you know, it just doesn't really matter at the end, um, which is kind of the story of the Clippers. No matter what you do, you're a bunch of losers. They get a, they get a pat on the head and a good job, buddy, from me. Uh, and that's why they win this award because they they re-signed Paul George to a four-year deal and they added Serge Ibaka and then they lost their one of their four best players 
to the city on the team on the other side of the city from them. So, you know, thanks for playing, guys, and keep it up. You know, one of these days, you know, you're gonna grow up big and strong. Mm-hmm. You will. Uh, I, do you think there's any chance Paul George makes it to the end of that contract? <laughs> no. Because like, like, there's no way he doesn't get traded in the next five years. There's the, no way at all. The over-under is two and a half years. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, and there, I think there's a chance it's one year, by the way. I just want to say that. Like, if him and Kwai can't get anything done this year, and it feels a lot like the ending of last year where everybody just kind of hates each other, uh, I think there might be a Kwai little whisper going on like, hey, Let's uh let's figure something else out because this isn't working. I mean, you know, he did this once before, right? Where he pledged allegiance to an elite teammate in a city where we weren't sure if he wanted to be, uh, and we were like, "Oh, Paul George wants to play for Oklahoma City. That's cool. Good for good for Oklahoma City." And then he was out of there. So the thing about playing for the Clippers is that you're in LA, and theoretically, even if you lose Kawhi, I think you can attract a Carl Anthony Towns or whoever, whatever disgruntled superstar wants to move, a James Harden. Uh, so I can see I can see a universe where he stays there because of that, maybe, because he never has to be the A1 guy carrying a team. He'll probably always be able to be the second guy, which I think is more appealing to him. But I hear you. I'm not sure how long he's there for. And here to announce our next award, Parker Hammond. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, the Breakfast Club Award. The Breakfast Club is a movie about a team of misfit pieces forced together who will find out that they have a lot more in common with each other than they thought. This year's Breakfast Club Award winner is the San Antonio Spurs. Yes. So you know how often people will say the Oscars or the Grammys, those are rigged? Um, This is the first time in the 114-year history of the Predictees where I feel as though it may be rigged. Um... With the San Antonio Spurs winning this award, uh, and not only that, but somebody by the name of Double P, producer Parker, announcing it, um, you know, I just feel like maybe, maybe there was a little bit more going on behind the scenes than we had originally thought. I mean, I'm not saying that the envelopes were hot uh, when I was given the envelopes, but I'm not saying that they weren't. I mean, for real though, the Spurs... Do any of us know what they're going to be? Because there's there's a couple things going on. We've seen yeah. slowly since DeRozan and Aldridge were there. Every year they get like a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. But every year these young guys are getting a little bit better. I don't know if any of them are developing at the pace that the Spurs had hoped for or the Spurs fans had hoped for. Um, but then you sprinkle in a little bit of magic that Pop can pull at any time. I know that wasn't there last year, um, but that's going to happen, you know, after 20-plus years of consecutive just – dominance essentially uh do you like i don't think there's a chance he can make this team a playoff team in the west but i'm not counting him out of it completely so this team just has a bunch of guys where you really don't know what you have they're kind of mold or unmolded right now right like dejounte murray's been in the league for a while but we really don't know what kind of player that is we don't really know how good of a starting guard he really is Right, you look at Cam Reynolds or Devin Vassell, who they drafted, and Derek White, Lonnie Walker. Those guys are like, do we know? Do you know if Derek White can potentially be a starting guard in the NBA? If Lonnie Walker is a potential starting forward? There's all sorts of intrigue with this team. You've got Becky Hammond on the coaching staff, which I love. They're going to be well coached. They've got some classic Popovich guys, as well as some elite veteran leadership from Lamarcus Aldridge. 
And if they can get rid of the DeMar DeRozan contract or if they can find a way to add a younger piece for him, then I think that, you know, you're kind of looking at a team that could potentially sneak its way into the playoffs, which would be a huge overperformance and I think really set them up well for the future. I agree with everything you just said except for one thing, um, and that was how dare you come to this prestigious show and call LaMarcus Aldridge's leadership elite. Uh, it is a stain. <laughs> it, is, it is a stain on the reputation. If I'm being honest, the only reason why I would guess his leadership is not elite is because he's just so like gumpy. Like <laughs> he's just, and it's a, I don't even know if it's like a body language thing or if he's just built gumpy. Um, but congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, you've won another award. It's on the opposite side of what you guys are used to. Um, but you never come into the show and you, every time you walk into the show, you walk out with something. Did you see, uh, Keldon Johnson in the bubble? I mean, seriously, they were like a really interesting competitive bubble team. And those were a bunch of guys who hadn't played together. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see more. They are super boring though. They're super boring this year. As always. Yeah. Next, we have the Happy to Be Here Award, the team that's just glad to not be where they've been the last five years. Uh, first, I want to talk about one of our runner-ups and a nominee, and that's the Orlando Magic. Okay, I'm done talking about them. Now we'll announce the winner, the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards. Uh, and it's pretty simple. The reason why I brought up the Magic is because the winner of this award would have been the Orlando Magic had they done exactly what the Washington Wizards did, and that is make their team interesting by getting Russell Westbrook. This isn't the Pistons, right? This isn't where you can't trade for Russ. This is where you're in a spot where maybe one piece makes you kind of interesting and maybe you have a chance to pull like the upset of all upsets, but at least there's a 1% or 2% chance there with that guy. Beal and Russ, that's going to be at least fun. Uh, Rui is there. You got a good, decent young roster. Uh, you got Denny in the draft, which is going to be possibly the steal of the draft. Could be. Um, Washington could be the surprise team in the East this year. Are they better than the Bucks? No. Are they better than the Heat? No. Are they better than the Celtics? No. But could they give those teams a game or two in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't write them off for that. What about you? Uh, I think that this team's potential is the four is potentially a home court advantage in the first round team. Uh, the, so the starting five, I'm assuming at the end of the year, is going to be Russell, Beal, uh, Rui, Abdia, and Bertans in some some capacity. So their starting center is going to have to be Robin Lopez probably, which is okay. But, oh, Mo Wagner, of course, Michigan's own. So there's a little bit of worry that they might not be tough enough as far as, like, the bigger part of their team goes. But they'll be really skillful. Like, Rui Hachimura was solid last year. And I think you can kind of look at Rui in the same way you look at Seku, where you're it's a three-year or four-year project. You get him in year one, you see what he's got. You get him in year two, and now you want to see what's really going on here. What kind of player do we really have? Uh, and if he makes another step up, I mean, he was 13 and six last year. If he becomes 15 and eight every night, that's a really solid draft pick and a good player. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, Rui to me is a guy who's going to be a rotation guy at worst, who has a chance yeah. to be like the fourth or fifth best starter on a good team. Yeah. Um, the ceiling is like a Tobias Harris light almost possibly mm -hmm. like with a little bit more bounce. Um, so, you know, they're, they're fun and, if they want at the deadline, we'll give them Mason Plumley for free. So. Oh, I'd give, 
Yeah, that that sounds great. I would love to give that Mason Plumley. I want to put Ben Wallace Jr., Isaiah Stewart on the floor, and they can have Mason Plumley for free. Yeah. Oh man, they got. I forgot they drafted Cassius Winston. Hmm. That he kind of fell a little bit to them. That could be interesting as well. They could. They could. I think it'll be you know at least a year before he's getting real playing time. But we'll see. Guy who can shoot like that. He's got leadership qualities. Super high IQ. Those guys can sometimes find their way into the rotation earlier than expected. So congratulations once again to the Washington Wizards. The Matt Stafford Clayton Kershaw Award is given to the thing that you'll be the most sick of hearing about at the end of the year on NBA broadcasts. This year's Matt Stafford Clayton Kershaw Award winner is everyone forgetting how good Steph Curry is. Oh, oh. and that is not an upset at all. We knew this was going to happen. Every every Warriors game this year is going to have somebody who's going to go, man, I just forget. Steph Curry's going to hit a 40-footer, and it's going to go, man, you just forget how dangerous he is from out there. We didn't. No, Nobody we didn't. did. The second he hits one of those shots, you want to know what my reaction is going to be? Nothing. Cool. It's going to be, wow, that's a good shot by Steph Curry. I'm used to seeing him hit those shots, actually. I've seen him hit about a million in the past, and he didn't tear his Achilles. He hurt his hand a little bit. Um, so – no, we didn't forget how good Steph Curry is. Uh, this Warriors team is still going to be really good without Klay Thompson because of how good Steph Curry is. Yeah. So announcers, ESPN, Fox Sports, The Ringer, you guys, um, if we could get that out of the way during the preseason here, or maybe week one, uh, that would be fantastic. Just get it out of your system. I know you want to say it. I know you've been waiting for it. So just just get it. Get it out into the universe. Say it, and you'll you'll come out better for it. It's going to be the first thing that like any major publications feature writer is going to write as soon as they come out run out of ideas. When it's going to be like like the 30% mark of the season, there's going to be a man Steph Curry is so good. Did you guys forget how good Steph Curry is? Article. This is the guy who dot dot dot. Yeah. Oh god. It's going to be awful. Uh nobody forgot how good Steph Curry is. He's the greatest shooter of all time. His new warm-up shot is shooting from the fucking tunnel. Great. You know, the Golden State Warriors have, like, more beat writers assigned to them than any team in sports media right now. And it's not close. It's, like, them and then the Lakers, the Clippers, and then everybody else down here. Uh, and you're just you're just going to hear a bunch of shitty Warriors takes. Actually, the uh, uh, second-place nominee for this award was every, is Andrew Wiggins and his potential. Uh, do you want to talk about how tired you are of hearing about Andrew Wiggins and his potential? Yeah, so, like, most people agree – Andrew Wiggins sucks, uh, and that it is what it is. But when Andrew Wiggins moves teams or Andrew Wiggins shows up somewhere at the start of the season, it's, I don't know, I, I, there's still something there. There's still something there. Uh, and he has actually taken over that mantle from Jeff Green. Um, so every time you think that Andrew Wiggins might have some untapped potential, just think about the fact that we did that exact thing with Jeff Green until he was 30 years old. And don't do it. Well, Al, it, it seems like uh, this is uh, Chris Collinsworth for some reason. Well, Al, it seems that like Andrew Wiggins, you know, he's heating up a little bit. He's playing a little better out there, and uh, he might have some more room to grow. I know a lot of people wrote him off. It's going to be just like that. But it won't be Chris Collinsworth. It'll be whatever ESPN anchor is guy is running the broadcast that day. Yes, and thank you, by the way, Chris Collinsworth, for joining us on the uh, 54th annual Predictive. That actually wasn't Chris Collinsworth. That was me. I was doing a Chris Collinsworth impression, if you can believe it. Wow. All right, let's talk Warriors. How good are the Warriors? 
Uh, boy, it's I really don't know. I really have no idea. Uh, if they were the second place team in the West, I would go. Wow, that seems unlikely. But Steph okay, Curry wins the MVP if that's the case. Probably. Uh, it would probably involve Andrew Wiggins hitting some of that potential and James Wiseman being like elite out the gate, which I don't think he will be. I think James Wiseman's going to be probably not very good the first half of the season. I don't know if disagree? I agree with that. I think James Wiseman is like my favorite for rookie of the year right now because the pressure expectations and like workload that he's going to have to do are so low. He has to go out there and defend the rim and get rebounds. That's all they're asking him to do right off rip. He's like the touches will be there if he's ready for them, but if he's not, it's no big deal because they don't need him to take shots. Uh, so I think James Wiseman could be really good this year. I think James Wiseman could easily be like a 12 and 12 guy this year. With good I think, defense. I think the argument against that is that he played 18 games in college and that's it. Was it even that? Or, many? It was eight games. Sorry. Three, I, I added I a team to that. Yeah. This guy hasn't like played basketball at a high level, really. And while I think that the talent is there, I think it's like NFL quarterbacks. It takes them 12 weeks before they adjust to the speed of the game. I think there's going to be a little bit of adjusting to the speed of the game for James Wiseman. And it's not a bad thing. I don't think that makes him a bust. I think it just makes him a guy who's going to take a little bit of time. I guess we'll see who is correct on this one because I feel pretty confident about it. I think he's going to be – I mean, I think like the worst-case scenario for James Wiseman is like Andre Drummond. He's going to be wow. a damn good center. He's going to be a damn good center. It's just yeah. drafting a center that high when you're not the Warriors didn't make sense for a lot of teams because even if he reaches – even if he's better than Drummond by a pretty substantial amount, that's not good enough to be the best player on a title team. But with the Warriors, man, I mean, James Wiseman on the glass is a monster, yeah. an absolute monster. And if it's just Steph Curry chucking up threes and James Wiseman going and grabbing those rebounds – there's a very good chance this is the best center Steph Curry has played with since this run started in year one. Pete I mean, his competition is Andrew Bogut. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Andrew Bogut, I think, actually has become a little underrated. He was a really highly touted player, and he was really good for a while. But I agree with you. I agree with you uh, 95% of that. But I, going back to, like, where the Warriors could finish, if they finished in seventh place in the West, I also wouldn't be super shocked by that. I think they're firmly a playoff team. How good of one is going to depend on a lot of different factors, including coaching. I think this is the how good of a coach is Steve Kerr really moment. Yeah, oh, for sure. That If if this Warriors team ends up as the seventh or eighth seed, I think Steve Kerr's gone after this year, and he should be. You think? Uh, yeah, because we've seen one year of Steve Kerr like really taking a team that was already good but not great and turning them into a champion uh, championship team. Uh, but then we saw, you know, last year where he got the he got the most out of a lot of guys, right? Like that team had some guys putting yeah. up some numbers. Um, but this is the year he's going to have to show, like, hey, I don't have Kevin Durant, I don't even have Clay Thompson now. I I, I have Andrew Wiggins instead of Clay Thompson. How good is this team going to be? Because um, he kind of got to take three years off and just be like, go get them, guys, and they so, got them. Okay. Every time. I get what you're saying. I kind of disagree with that because I think we've seen that Steve Kerr's like coach archetype is kind of that Phil Jackson keep the keep the team together type thing, the Zen master routine. Uh, there's obviously a lot of insane egos on those Peak Warriors teams, and keeping everybody in check, locked in, playing well, uh, winning titles, being the most successful regular team in the re team in the regular season counts for something, and if he has a down year this year, I would think that the least you can do is give Steve Kerr one more year to try again. 
I think you, I almost I know that there's no loyalty in basketball, but I almost feel like that guy really is owed another year. Yeah, so like I don't disagree with what you're saying about him and Phil Jackson, but that works when you have Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen or Kobe sure. and Shaq or Steph and Clay and Dre and KD. Mm-hmm. Now he has to prove he can coach yeah. and coach for real, which I don't doubt. I think he can. But if he this can. year goes real bad, I think it could go real bad for not only the Warriors but the Kerr uh, postseason. Uh, if they're a first-round knockout, I think you at least have to consider going another way. I think the guys whose guy whose head is on the chopping block is going to be Draymond Green. Yeah, but who's gonna? I don't know if anybody takes that contract, so it's not really going to matter. You True. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I am actually. What's nice about this year? Um, people who listen to the show know I love LeBron James, so I had what felt like a personal rivalry with the Golden State Warriors during the Cavaliers Warriors year, and while KD was there specifically. And this is the first time in a few years where I feel like I really just get to enjoy watching Steph Curry without having like this competitive fire bullshit that I get watching rival teams of my favorite players or favorite teams. Uh, And I get to enjoy it and it's going to be really fun. Not that I wasn't like appreciative of Steph Curry and what he's done for the game, how much he's changed it. But this is the first year I think myself and a lot of fans are not going to have like this eternal fire of hatred for Steph Curry. So that is, that's going to be fun. I'm excited for that. We're going to, I think, learn a lot about Steph Curry this year too. Yeah. How much is, has he lost anything too, by the way? Like that dude's in his thirties now. He missed a year essentially. Has he lost, he shot 25%. He's got a lot of miles on him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not everybody can go to five or four straight NBA, five straight NBA finals and be come back from it the same. Uh, not to mention a history of injury before any of that happened and while it was happening. Yeah. Uh, so I'm rooting for Steph Curry. That's right. I said it. I'm rooting for Steph Curry. I hope he has an awesome year. I hope he competes wow. for an MVP because that's better for basketball. You want Steph Curry to be to get second place in the MVP vote this year, right? That's your goal? That's like the best case scenario for you? Yeah, that'd be cool. The Earl Watson Award given annually to the coach that will be fired before the All-Star break. This year's Earl Watson Award winner is Ryan Saunders of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Give, give it up. Wow, Ryan wow. Saunders coming out of nowhere. Who thought we would hear his name tonight, folks? I don't think anybody did. Wow. Um, Never know what you're going to get from the predicties. You really don't. And it's as simple as this. Uh, I think Anthony Edwards is going to take a little bit before he's a real legit threat on offense. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns don't play a lick of defense, and the rest of the roster sucks. This team's expecting to compete for a playoff spot. They're not going to do it in the West. There's no chance. There's 0% chance. Uh, so the Timberwolves are going to be down and out early. The organization will not be happy. The fans will be furious. Uh, and we won't get the trades this year. I think we we have to wait till next year till there's a cat trade or a Russell trade. Uh, but the move that will be made is Ryan Saunders will be out as head coach and somebody else will be in. This Timberwolves team just don't get excited. They're not exciting. They Ryan Saunders is the most expendable guy when it comes time and you start hearing that Carl Anthony Towns wants out of Minnesota. The first thing they're going to do to try to prove to him that it's, you know we got you, it's fine. The first thing they're going to do is hire is fire Ryan, Ryan fire Ryan Saunders. What's his name? Is that his name? Yeah, you fire got it, Ryan but... Saunders. <laughs> And replace it with whatever big name head coach, name brand head coach they think that they can hire. Yep. 
no, I think you're exactly right. And then that won't work out either, by the way. Cat, no. Cat yeah. can't be the best player on your team. So, Jarrett Culver, is that just a miss? Did they just miss on that? Uh, yeah, for what they wanted him to be. Could he be a really good rotation player who plays good defense, sixth, seventh man off the bench, like super solid for sure. I think that's where he's going to end up. I think he's got an NBA career ahead of him. Uh, but is he going to be this top of the rotation guy, this fringe all-star? No, not a chance. The game's just not there. The versatility isn't there. There's no no versatility in his oh, game, man. no diversity in his game whatsoever. He's just a basic NBA player, uh, like super basic. So the best player on that team is Carl Anthony Towns, and the second best team is D'Angelo Russell, and the third best player presumably will be number one pick Anthony Edwards. Here's my question for you. Who's the fourth best player on the Timberwolves? Oh, uh, what's his name? Just signed a $50 million contract. Uh, Beasley? Malik Beasley is yeah. probably the most likely. So there, Malik Beasley is like a two, right? He's not a true point. He's not point guard. Yeah, for sure. And he's and overpaid. The fifth best player on that team is Ricky Rubio, uh, which is a pretty curious, pretty curious amount of money to have spent on guards, considering you already have D'Angelo Russell and you drafted a guard with the first pick in the draft. Yeah. Um... Let's let's get back to Malik Beasley for a second. A rough offseason for him outside tough. of the contract. It's tough, tough look. Uh, good, good contract. Good for you. But, man, that guy's personal life is everywhere right All now. All of his contract. His signing bonus is going directly to his legal fees. And congratulations. Just give him a lawyer's bank account. Like you slept with Scottie Pippen's wife, as did probably four of your teammates and the rest of the NBA. That's what she's known for. But, like, come on. Do better. You signed a $15 million contract. She's eight times your age. Step your game up, bro. Step your game up. Boy, Scotty Pippen should have won the Cuck Award. Yeah, yes, actually. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> we we have a new award added to the show for the first time in the 174-year history of this show. Scotty Pippen, congratulations. You won the Cuck Award. Good evening, sweet world. This is J.E. Skeets from the No Dunks Podcast. And, well, if you're anything like me, you are enjoying Fan to Fan Detroit's 19th annual Predicties. Oh, what a show it's been, but lots more of awards still to hand out. So let's get back to basketball's most glamorous night. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Uh, here to announce our next award. I don't know if you've heard from him yet. It's Parker Hammond. Oh, wow. Uh, it's such an honor to be giving out all of these high-profile awards. Uh, the Anthony Bennett Award, given annually to the biggest draft bust. Uh, the winner this year is Cole Anthony. Wow. Wow, wow. good for him. Unexpected. All right. All right, here's the thing. We know he was the 15th pick. Okay, but look at the top 10. Just really look at it. There is two guys in there that I think have actual bust potential, and I don't think it's very high because I think their floor is closer to like a mid-rotation player. And that's Patrick Williams, and that's Isaac Okoro, who Okoro, we don't know how much he's going to be able to shoot. Williams, he's like okay at everything, good at a couple things, and great at none. So we've seen players like that not work out before. But Cole Anthony is the guy who in college was really good. He's got the size. Uh, but we saw all offseason him working out with NBA players and just kidding destroyed yeah. i mean destroyed there's just something about him that wasn't working in those videos and i don't take like off-season workout videos 
with anything more than a grain of salt. But these videos, for some reason, just shook me when it came to Cole Anthony. I was out completely. Uh, and I think that is the main reason why he is the this year's winner of the very I, prestigious Anthony Bennett Award. I think that uh, that North Carolina team wasn't that good. And I think that he's – I mean, the, the thing about point guards is a lot of them just don't work out. Most of them don't work out at a rate that's really, really crazy. I will say that when we were in committee, when the committee was meeting, uh, I did vote for Patrick Williams, uh, partially because I, I, I don't know if I trust the Bulls' ownership to make a leap on a player like that. I don't think that they've proven to me that like they have this amazing eye for talent. And also because he wasn't a starter in college. Yeah, the that's, best player for sure. that's not good, but I should remind you of this. Uh, the last player I can remember who wasn't a starter in college that was drafted in the lottery, Devin Booker. Yeah, but that's different. That, those Kentucky teams are different than this than the Florida State team. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. And the fact that he just jumped up like 10, 15 spots in a week leading it's up to the draft. one of those guys who had great workouts. And okay, but I don't know if we know if this guy can like really play basketball. I'm sure he's got great measurables, but... If his his jumper form is money too, but if that pick works out, uh, first of all, you need to thank um, Troy Weaver. And if it doesn't work out, then uh, we're gonna send you a little video message that says from Troy Weaver, "Haha, fuck you." Because the only reason you took Patrick Williams there at four was because Troy Weaver made his value jump so high in that last week. There's no way eight days before the draft they were taking Patrick Williams at four. There's Tell no me- way. Go go deeper on that. Tell me more about that. Just the reports left and right, reports left and right that the Pistons are interested or he could go as high as six and this and that, just things all along those lines that were very clearly smoke screens thrown out there by Troy Weaver. So Killian Hayes would fall to seven and it bloody worked, mate. It bloody worked. It was like the precision of it, the timing of every news drop where those words were spoken Troy Weaver, Troy Weaver pulled it off like a seasoned vet at the GM spot. And it's like, I I can't imagine a world where every team in the top eight just had no idea who Patrick Williams was. And then after Troy Weaver, I'm suspecting here, it's not confirmed, but I'm suspecting here, starts dropping these news bombs uh, that every team was like, oh, yeah, no, he's right. It was a couple teams being like, oh, shit, okay, let's do our research finally on this guy. And they did. And some fell in love because instead of having eight months or nine months to do your research, they had a week to do their real, real research on him. And that's why he jumped all the way up to four. That is interesting. I also heard, like, you and I listened to, like, a million insider basketball pods and tweets and all of the journalists who know things. And the Pistons were linked with Patrick Williams. That was a thing that was out there and a thing that made me very nervous. So maybe you're right, uh, and maybe we'll have to send Troy Weaver uh, a fruit basket or something. That would be crazy if he pulled that off. That would be crazy. We, I mean, I don't know if this is 100% true, but supposedly Killian Hayes was number one on our draft board for the whole draft. Sounds so, like coach speak. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But I know he was at least up there. I mean, if Killian Hayes was on – I remember when Trey Burke was still on the board, and – you know what? We're going to save this conversation for later. I just decided. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we skip to the skip to a certain award? Okay. Yes, our next award, the Prayer Beads Award, 
This award goes out to the team that is so desperate for their draft picks to work that they'll try anything. The winner of this award, Troy Weaver and yeah. the Detroit Pistons. So I'll give wow. it up for them. They were huge. They were they were huge winners of this award. They were far and away the first place winner of this award. Yes. Let's talk for a second about the roller coaster that was their offseason. So it starts, boom, you trade for the number 16 pick right before the draft. Okay, cool. We'll take that. A first-round pick that's protected up the ass and will probably just end up being two seconds and or a first-round pick in 2026. Awesome. Sounds great. Okay, then it comes. Picks are going. You're worried about Patrick Williams. He goes fourth. Uh, but even before that, you're you're thinking, oh, maybe they trade up for two and they grab Lamelo. Nope, don't trade up for two. So here comes seven. They take Killian. Detroit rejoices. Uh, because if they wouldn't have taken Killian, it would have been a hundred times worse than after Trey Burke won the Naismith Player of the Year in college, coming out, and the Detroit Pistons took Contavious Caldwell Pope with him still on the board. I remember myself personally, who at the time was the biggest Trey Burke fan in the world. I have a Trey yeah. Burke autograph basketball in sight of me right now. Uh, I was I lost my mind. I was yelling like I literally was yelling, and I. I mean, I'll yell at the TV during a game, but not about this type of stuff. I normally don't get that mad. I normally just get sad. Uh, and I was yelling at the TV. If they would have passed on Killian Hayes, it would have been that times 10. All of Detroit wanted that guy here. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that completely. I think there was a lot of Tyrese Halliburton is the guy we should take here that I saw. Uh, I think it was less than 10%. Yeah, I, I I don't. It's tough. It's tough. I don't know if I think that a lot of like NBA, average NBA fans have any idea about Killian Hayes, but yeah, but we're talking about the people who get furious about a draft pick. Oh Those sure, yeah, know okay, about yeah, Killian yeah. Hayes and wanted him here, right? And then so we finished this draft. Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay, Saban Lee, all you know. Those three guys all looked. Better than expected in that first preseason uh, game. Sadiq Bay was incredible. Yeah, I'm so I'm really excited the for that. Steal going to be the steal of the draft. I think I said that on our show right after the draft. Going to be the steal of the draft. Um, and then we had this weird free agency that still I don't think any of us have any idea what the fuck happened. Yeah. Um, but it was because they were so desperate for these draft picks to work out and draft picks in the future to work out that they were willing to try anything. And this was year one of what I'm guessing is going to be two, maybe three of trying anything. Yeah. Uh, so that leaves us with the question, will the Prayer Beads Award be gifted to the Detroit Pistons next year? Who knows? So what do you think What do you think that the rest of this year looks like for the Pistons? Okay. I'm going to tell you what I hope because this team feels almost impossible to make real predictions for. Yeah, you they, don't are, know about they are really weird. It's just wild. Uh, my hope is that Blake comes in and is healthy like he looked in that first preseason game, looked super healthy. The passes were wild and a nice step back three. Didn't look like he lost a step at all. And Derrick Rose is healthy and plays well. And you can trade them both at the trade deadline. Cade Cunningham is legit, man. He's legit. And everything this franchise is doing right now should be tilted towards trying to get one of three guys over the next few years. Cade Cunningham, Chet Holmgren, and Imani Bates. That's it. That's the whole list. If you come out of the next two years with in your 0 for three on those guys, then you're gonna be you're gonna wind up being in the same place you were in before this offseason, which is I bet tell me the two words. It's basketball what, Parker, or one word. Purgatory. Purgatory. Oh like always. We're, that's just where we've been for a decade. Um so my hope is they play decently well the first half of the season, but still bad 
you know, still the team that lost to the Knicks in their first preseason game. Uh, you know, let Killian kind of find his footing with some good vets around him. And then by the time he finds his footing midseason, you can trade those vets, have plenty of time for the Killians and the Bays and the Isaiah Stewart's yeah. and all of those guys. Uh, and you can, you know, be a bottom three worst team in the NBA at the end of the season. That's my hope. And that's, I, it seems like possibly the most likely path. Uh, there's a ton of paths. I'm not saying it's like even 30, 40% because there's so many paths. But I think that's the path that has the highest chance of of happening, of coming true. I think uh, that the Pistons play it out this year with what they've got, and they try to move up in the next draft. Uh, and the, this is a thing that I've heard from a few different places. People are looking at this Pistons teams and going, we can make the playoffs. I've heard that a few different places from a few people I talked to about basketball. And that really makes me nervous. Uh, because could this team potentially be a seven seed? Yeah, maybe if they all hit and get hot. But is that what you want to do right now? No, no, it's really not. If you can get off of Blake Griffin this year and make your team bad and give yourself a shot at the lottery getting a top three pick this year, you have to do it. You just gotcha. have to do it. This draft is so fucking good. Even the guys directly behind those three players here are super good. Like, guaranteed locked-in NBA players are coming now. They are, they are, there are hot singles in your area, and, and they want you to draft them. Uh, and, and the Pistons need to do everything that they can to draft them. Cade Cunningham is awesome. I love Chet, and uh, Imoni Bates would be like a really awesome, perfect homegrown story in a lot of ways. Well, what do we know about those guys, right? The homegrown guys, uh, these top prospects. New York gets Ewing. Uh, Cleveland gets LeBron. Chicago gets Derrick Rose. The NBA seems to magically find a way to take good franchises who are down in the dumps, and when these top prospects come out, oh, all of a sudden, here you go. You can have them. And the Pistons are one of the greatest NBA franchises of all time. They're in the top six. Absolutely. Absolutely. Three titles, three of the greatest titles of all time, some of the most memorable teams of all time. It's one of the five most signature teams in the history of the of NBA. Of course, 100%. And it's better for basketball when they're good. So if a lottery is ever going to be rigged, please let it be for uh, us and Imani Bates, please. There's, like, I think also a big financial incentive to, like, make one of the Detroit teams extremely good. Because whichever team it is that kind of reaches the top of the, the ladder city. first, oh. there's these, oh, it's going to be, mm. Just think about the 04 Pistons. I yeah. mean, they had the Red Wings around before that, but that 04 Pistons team had, like, 383, I think is the number, straight sellouts. It was, yeah. it was a social event. People who didn't like basketball. We're going to the games to hang out, to be there. It was like, and then we had the stretch with the Tigers where it kind of turned into that at Comerica Park between 2006 and 2015. When a team in Detroit can go from being this just bottom feeder for a long time to a team that competes for titles, this city embraces them so hard. Like as yeah. much as any city in the world. It's I such mean, a great sports city. We've just been beaten yeah. into this depressed laying in the fetal position fan base, sucking our thumbs because we have nothing else to do. Ford Field is like a, like a fortress. It's so loud and passionate in there. And the Lions are t like the worst NFL team in history. You know, imagine if we could, team like, yeah, they're, they're, they're embarrassing, but, uh, this would be amazing. So let's, 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 let's not, we have awards to give out, Andrew. <laughs> we do. Okay. Uh, I actually just added one more award to the show. 
Uh, the Happy Fan Award goes to the Happy Fan Two Fan Award goes to Andrew Norris and Parker Hammond for not having to talk about the Detroit Lions. Wow, thank you. Wow, this is great. You're welcome. Uh, our next award, we we're talking about the Pistons. This is an award named after them. Mm-hmm. The Go to Work Pistons Award is given out every year to a team that could shock the world. This year's winner, the Portland Trail Blazers. Wow. Wow. Congratulations yes. to the Portland Trail Blazers. Now it's I, a high honor. I know what everybody's saying. How is this not the Dallas Mavericks? Because if the Dallas Mavericks go out and beat the shit out of everybody, it's going to be shocking. But it's not going to be Juwan Howard walking back to the locker room looking at you going, we going to shock the world. It's not that because they have one of the top five players on the planet and a guy who's going to be, if healthy, a top 15 player at worst of all time. That's just what it is. We already know that, which is wild to say about somebody that young, but it's mm-hmm. the truth. The Trailblazers had a really solid offseason. They had Robert Covington. Uh, they get rid of some pieces that they don't need. They still got some good big guys down low. Damian Lillard's not going to miss a step. Hopefully, C.J. McCollum can be a little bit more healthy. He just had some nagging injuries all year. And we've seen Portland already make a Western Conference Finals. I see no reason why they add an X-Factor like Robert Covington. Rocco is a huge deal, man. That's not – being able to play that dude at the four gives so much versatility to your team with on a team that already has a lot of versatility. Uh, and I think Portland could be the team that all of a sudden you're looking at the end of the year after the Lakers have rested a bunch of guys. And we know Kwai's going to rest. And the Warriors have injuries like Clay, And, you know, Steph might miss some time here or there with a small injury, as he seems to always do. You're like, how are the Warriors the four seed or the three seed? How did that happen? And it's because they just have a solid starting five and an okay bench. And when yep. you add that with one of the best scorers in the NBA – a couple of dogs who don't take shit from anybody, and then you add, you know, you add Rocco. This team's really good, man. I mean, I'm super excited to watch this team. Rodney Hood gonna be good for them. They got off of Hassan Whiteside. If they can get like one of their centers to play 50 games this year, they're gonna be great. They're gonna be really good. They're gonna be surprising too because they, you know, they are running it back again this year in a lot of ways. And uh, I mean, they're almost kind of doing what the Celtics are doing, but they're doing it with more actualized players with like definitive marks so you can kind of plan more around what they're going to be. Uh, but the second seed and the third seed in the West are kind of open right now. I mean, I don't really feel great about like the Nuggets, do you? No, I think them losing Grant and Plumley uh, yeah. is going to be huge. I mean, those guys were they're kind of like the heart and soul of that team when it really came down to it, when they needed just people to come in and just make something happen. I their think, starting lineup wasn't getting it done. I mean, so. some people are going to yell the Clippers at their screen, and, and sure, you know, the, but the Clippers aren't a regular season team. That's not what that team is going to do. You know, Kawhi is going to play 50 games. Paul George is going to play 25 minutes a game for a weird amount of the season. So I, I, I think that that number two or three or four seed are wide open, and I think that the, the Blazers could go grab it if they're healthy. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, congratulations again to the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, and and shout out Damian Lillard. Second place, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they are going to need a lot of things to break their way for that to happen. But if Kristaps Porzingis is fixed or whatever, uh, that's pretty. That's going to be a really good team. Tim Hardaway is, you know, he'll he'll score you some buckets. He's a if, he's a good player. If the Mavericks had one player who is eighty percent as good as Kristaps, they could definitely win a title. I just don't think they're yeah. quite there yet. Not quite. Close, though. I mean, that would be a team where if we're looking to deal Blake Griffin 
I don't know what we would take back for him, but that's a team that I think would be interested. In. Yeah, for sure. Also, I think Luca is like plus nine hundred for the MVP. That's my pick for the MVP this year. Mm. Luca is my pick. He, yeah. I think part of the reason why he wasn't really in the conversation this past year is because I don't know if any of us fully believed what we were seeing. We knew he was awesome, but like, is this a top five guy in the league? I don't know. And then we watched the series against the Clippers, and I think we all finally believed, like, oh shit, we are watching the next coming of one of the all-time greats, a guy who I know this is so early to say it, but it's we can't not say it. A guy who might have a hat in the race by the end of his career in the GOAT discussion. Mm-hmm. Like the, the potential is as high as anybody in the history of basketball. Uh, and I think now that we're all kind of bought into that, the MVP talk is going to come right I think along. I, uh, I think I still see a little bit of, are we sure this is what Luca is out there from people? But That's he's nuts. here. You know, It's him yeah. and Giannis. Here it comes. Yep. I hope you're ready because we're moving. And I think it. Zion too, by the way. I think Zion is going to be right there. I think, I, I think I people want to not the ceiling give Zion. is there, but yeah. But even look at last year. I mean, the dude scored twenty plus twenty plus points in like ten straight games, longest stretch ever by a rookie coming off an injury. Shoots sixty five percent from the field. He's a monster on defense. At thir- Zion, and he looks slim down. By the way, I don't know if you've seen. I haven't really looked at Pelicans. Dude looks look slim. At dude looks 15, 20 pounds lighter. Uh, and I don't think he's going to lose much, much of that strength by being that skinny. Um, so I really think it's going to be those three guys and Imani Bates. He's uh, in another world. If Zion comes out into the league 20 years ago, he's at best Bill Walton, uh, a guy who is whose prestigious talent is overshadowed by injuries because obviously that dude's got a weird body. But I, mm-hmm. I think that they'll figure that out. I think that with Zion, will. we'll know more at the end of the season. I want to see Zion play a full season of basketball, and then I'm going to go back and, and reassess his ceiling. Oh, and NBA fans, can we stop this whole like acting? I, nobody ever really says it out loud, but everybody acts like Zion doesn't have a jump shot. Zion is already at least a 33 34% three-point shooter. Already. In his Minimal. first game, he hit six in a row. Yeah, like the dude is a monster. Yeah. In every way on the basketball court. He's not. So, I mean, he, he's no he's no Steph Curry, but like he's a, an NBA-level shooter. No, but in five years, he's going to be hitting 36% on five attempts a game. Yeah. He's going to be that guy, which is like LeBron-type shooting, by the way. he's He's got a chance to be that type of guy with, with less like creation ability. Because um, he doesn't move side to side I, I kinda, while while dribbling, I kind of just feel like like the the projection for Zion is closest to LeBron James. I think that's the guy who could end up being you know because especially now later in his career, LeBron James is like a four and he bullies people and he's like big and strong and nasty. And I think that's kind of the player that Zion's going to end up being. That's the hope. That's the hope for them. And now to present the Darren Ravel Award for Excellence in Finance. And social media. Here is Darren Ravel. And now it's time for the Darren Ravel Award for Excellence in Finance and Social Media. And the winner is me. The winner is me. Because no one said I was ineligible to win my own award. And now it's time for the All In Award. The All In Award goes to a team that has decided right or wrong that now is the time for them to win and has acted in the offseason as such. This year's winner of the All In Award in the 59th annual Predicties is the Atlanta Hawks. Congratulations, wow. Atlanta Hawks. Congratulations. Wow, yes. So the Atlanta Holy Hawks made cow. some moves, right? A lot, quite a few. Made some moves. That team can absolutely shoot the hell out of the ball now. I mean, they're going to yeah. be able to run some really fun 
uh, lineups out there. If you think about it, think about a lineup like Trey Young, Kevin Herter, uh, Bogdanovich, Gallinari at the four, and then Collins at the five. You pretty much have guys who can shoot 40% from three everywhere on the court. And then you also have Tony Snell who can shoot the ball. You got Chris Dunn coming off the bench now who can play some really good defense. You, you took Anyeki Ukangwu in the draft. I'm going to get that down perfectly by week three of the season, I think. Uh, you still have DeAndre Hunter who, who really knows what they got there. And Cam Reddish who the potential still seems untapped almost completely. Uh, I mean – if I was the Hawks, I'd start. I'd probably have started making moves like this right now, um, but it it could be the type of moves that all of a sudden in three years you're back to where you were this previous year, where it's Trey Young and a bunch of nobodies, and let's see what we got. Um, I really like I really like what the what the Hawks have done here. I think they might have done it a year early, they, but that's that's kind of the business aspect of the NBA when your owner comes in and says, "No, it's now." Uh, and you have to execute that play call. And I think that they executed it as well as they possibly could have for this offseason. Uh, Bogdan's going to be awesome. Uh, I think that Chris Dunn is going to probably end up being the second guard on that team, him and Trey Young, by the by the time the playoffs roll around. They're, they're nine players deep of like really, really awesome good players. Uh, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. They're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, for sure. Do you um, think that the Hawks can make an Eastern Conference Finals? This year? Yeah. No, no, okay. no. Um, like, I don't – could they win a playoff series? Yeah, probably. Sure. Uh, but winning a, a multiple playoff series, I don't I don't think they're there yet. I don't know, man. I don't know if Trey Bur- – or Trey Burke. I don't know if Trey Young is ever going to have that ability to be – and offensively he will – but the ability to be the straight-up best player on your team. I think you're going to have to have at least one guy who's as good as him, uh, at least when you combine their offense and defense. Uh, And you're going to need another guard, hopefully a shooting guard, who can kind of be the Clay Thompson to a Steph Curry, where he can just guard whoever the best guard is, and you can hide Trey Young. Um, But it's even harder to hide Trey Young than it is to hide Steph Curry. Steph Curry is at least 6'4", and he's strong. Yeah, Uh, Trey Young is a little dude, and – and he can't get much bigger than he is now because the way his body is, I think it would really affect his jump shooting. Uh, so do I think they're going to be one of the most fun teams in the NBA? Yeah. Do I think they're going to have like an unbelievably high offensive rating? Uh, yeah, I think it'll be one of the highest of all time. Um, but they're going to have a lot of 130 to 121 games this year because there's no defense anywhere on that team except Boy. for downloaders <laughs> a little bit. But. If you take if you take Trey Young and Matisse Thibel – and you combine them and split them up, you get two exactly average NBA guards. Yeah. Or if you just combine them, you get the best player of all time. Sure. Yeah. That would be the best player of all time. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I, I, like, I don't think there's much to break down with the Hawks yet because I don't think any of us have any idea how it's going to work except for they're going to shoot the hell out of the ball. Uh, but where the ceiling is and where the floor is and how different that is than last year. Uh, I know it's different, but I'm just not sure how how much different. I, I think they'll be like the sixth, seventh best team in the East. I think that the player who's going to affect that the most is going to be Cam Reddish. What does he look like this year is going to be the thing that affects whether they're a five seed or whether they're an eight seed. Yeah. No, I agree. And if Cam Reddish can continue shooting the ball from three like he has, that's good. But he's got to be able to get around the rim a little bit. Just a little bit, dude. You can't shoot 37% from three and 39% from the floor. It just, it can't be that. 
Uh, so congratulations again to the Atlanta Hawks. The Peaked in High School Award, which is an award for the team whose best years are behind them. The Peaked in High School Award goes to the Miami Heat. Yeah, uh, duh. <laughs> yeah, they were far and away the odds-on favorite. Uh, Vegas took a bath on this award this year. Uh, the Hawks, there's no way they're going to be as good as they were last year. They just didn't do enough. They just didn't do enough in the offseason to be better. They got super fucking hot. Yeah, it, that's the thing, right, is they hit a level that with the roster they have right now, they're never going to hit again. Unless Tyler Hero is like a legit 20-point-per-game scorer this year, which I don't think is the case. I'm 97% confident that's not the case. Uh, this team is is hit its peak, and they are going to start going down the mountain rather quickly, uh, almost as quickly as they got up to the top of the mountain. Uh, they, you put them against the Bucks in a playoff series again, I don't think they can beat them. You put them against the Celtics in a playoff series from now on, I don't think they can beat them. Uh, even the Sixers this year, I don't think they can beat. Uh, so awesome job on them for the Miami Heat having a fantastic run to the finals. But I think a bigger nod of appreciation is due to them for winning the Peakton High School Award. I just don't see any world where they can repeat that. You know, Dragic is back for two years, and that's good. And Jimmy Butler is still there. And now, if they can figure out a way to get James Harden, now we're now we're cooking. Now, now we got a stew going. Uh, but okay, I want to talk to you about too while we're here about something that I've seen a lot of that I'm like really trade great. Tyler Hero. Yeah, I know where okay, you're going. great. Trade. How did you? That's awesome that you knew that. <sighs> if they want Tyler Hero for James Harden, you do that. You just do that. You don't even so think twice stupid. about it. It's so, James fucking Harden. If and if that's a real story, I mean, there's two there's two ways this can be real. One is just Pat Riley trying to drive the value down a little bit. Sure. Uh, and two is it's Pat Riley's a fucking idiot, and I don't think Pat Riley's a fucking idiot. So no. yeah, uh, I feel you pretty probably no, he's not. Years. If it, if it was literally if this deal was on the verge and all it would take is an okay on Tyler Hero, this deal would have been done three days ago. Yeah, um, if if the Rockets want Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and three picks and two pick swaps, you have to do it. You have to do it. James Harden on that team is a, is a is a championship contender. My one fear would be that James Harden and Jimmy Butler is like a worse version of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That would be my one fear, but it's a fear that's not going to stop me from making that deal. Or I mean, even think about stopping from making that deal. In the East, a worse version of the Clippers could probably make could make a finals run. And if you're playing the Lakers, I they're a little bit better this year. But I think that Jimmy Butler, James Harden is kind of a tough and Bam is a pretty tough matchup for the Lakers specifically. That's a better version of what they had last year. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I the mean, Lakers had to earn that shit. I mean, you're replacing Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero with James Harden in that case. Yeah, I mean, the draft picks aren't affecting your finals run, so like <laughs> It's the heat. They peaked, but make the trade. Get James they, Harden. I think they're in the they best position on, to get Harden right now. Yeah, I think so too. Because Harden probably will want to go there. Uh, I wonder how that will, how the culture of Miami, the BPI measuring, the like seriousness of like you're you're clocking in and you're clocking out and you're treating your body with respect and blah blah blah. How that will how that will deal with James Harden being in Miami, uh, one of the elite party capitals of the planet. Uh, but maybe that that could also potentially be like an overblown sports media story, but it seems like they would clash. I think we've seen enough dominance from James Harden that it doesn't like he doesn't need the 
up at six in the morning and then last first guy in the gym, last guy, he doesn't need that. But if it was something that happened in Miami, it could help. Um, but I think they would also, I know it's heat culture, but I think they'd give him at least a little bit of freedom. I don't know if Jimmy yeah. Butler would, but I think the heat would. I'm so glad they're bringing those Miami vice jerseys back. Those are my favorite jerseys in the NBA. Those are cool. They're very cool. Um, but it's a, it's a shame that people like Heat fans get to have those cool jerseys. It is kind of a shame that Heat fans get nice things like that. The Time Loop Award is given to the team that's running it back for reasons we don't totally understand with a bunch of pieces that seem kind of randomly generated. And the obvious winner of the Time Loop Award is the Chicago Bulls. Wow. Wow, yeah. I mean, Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, Otto Porter, like – what are you Kobe doing? White, uh, yeah, sure. Garrett Temple, Otto what? Porter Jr. It's not good enough. Zach Levine is is reached pretty much his peak here. I mean, the only way he can improve is make those numbers a little less empty. Laurie Markkinen is not this all star level player we kind of thought he was going to be at the start of his career. Kobe White might be good, but he also might just be one of those like Lou Williams type guys. Is kind of what I see him as. Just trade somebody, make a move, reset, or get a piece, get a big piece. Uh, like, try to put yourself in the hardened sweepstakes, something like that. Uh, but otherwise, it's just going to be another wasted year in Chicago. So I've never seen this before where I remember this very vividly. When Laurie Markkinen got drafted, every draft big board had him going about where he got drafted, which was seventh. And every draft board was like, yeah, but he's not going to be that good. Like, he's going to go seventh, but it's going to we don't like him. Everybody had the exact same opinion, and then everybody was kind of right. Like, Laurie Markkinen's like a decent player. He's probably a starting forward. He's kind of in the mold of those soft Euros, like, who play a four. But maybe they should be a five. Like, he's seven foot, but he, he's not strong. He's a shooter. Uh, and we all knew exactly what that was, and they still took him. So Yeah, well, he did give us, like, a nice little three-month stretch in his sure, rookie yeah. year where we were like, oh, okay, all-star, like, Keep this guy. This guy is awesome. He's hitting threes. He's doing everything. And he's just kind of got worse and worse since. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because expectations have got bigger and bigger. But regardless, that's how it works. Um, and he's not much better right now than he was in his rookie year. Zach Levine is like – Zach Levine is Andrew Wiggins the year he averaged 23 in Minnesota. He's a that's little better than that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he is. Uh, most guys who average over 23 points a game should be able to lead you to the playoffs in the East with a team that has, I know it's not top-notch talent, but if you are a, like an all-star level player with the talent the Bulls have, they have a little bit of depth, they have some good players around, you should be able to at least compete for a playoff spot. You shouldn't be picking fourth in the draft. Okay, I'm going to do an exercise with you here. I am going to read you a name, and you tell me if that player plays for the Chicago Bulls or for the Detroit Pistons G League team, Grand Rapids Drive. Okay. Ready? Devin Dotson. Bulls. Okay. Uh, Cristiano Felicio. Bulls. Nice. Uh, Pashan Howard. G League. Nice. Uh, Dakari Allen. Bulls. No, that guy's in the G League. Mm, I good. I don't know who he is. Chandler Hutchinson. Bulls. Zach Norville Jr. Bulls. Are you sure? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Khalil Iverson. G League. Nice. You're doing way better than I thought you would. Yeah, I'm pretty good at this stuff. Simisola Shitu. G League. <laughs> that guy plays for the Bulls. <laughs> we pull up his stats. Now you got to pull up his stats. I think he's a rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie. He's okay. from Vanderbilt. Saban Lee's old teammate. And then, and then the rest are like, there's some interesting fill-in players here. Oh, uh, let me give you two more. Uh, Robert Sampson. Bulls. Plays for the G League. Oh, they have a Sampson though, right, the Bulls? They have no? a Sadoransky. Thomas Sadoransky, duh. But uh, no, okay. Anyways, and the last one? Adam Makoka. Bulls. Yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> pretty tough, man. That's not good. It's not yeah, but like if you look at the top eight on their roster, top eight with a guy averaging 25 a game, that team should be better, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottom half is the bottom half, but whatever. Uh, so congratulations to the Bulls. You got to be part of the show. Uh, your biggest Yeah, good job, guys. You made it to the show. His ankles, or his knees, so congrats. Go ahead. Give me the next one. Yeah, one second. Okay. The next award we have tonight is the That's Interesting Award. The That's Interesting Award is given to the team that has the most players you forgot about that might actually be good. This year's winner of the That's Interesting Award, the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, this is a big win for the Memphis Grizzlies. This is an important an important win for the Grizzlies. I'm going to read you a couple of the guys that kind of make me think that they should win this award. Uh, Brandon Clark. Good. Dylan Brooks. Good. Jonte Porter. Okay. Xavier Tillman. Okay. DeAnthony Melton. Yep. Gorgie Dang. Yeah. And uh, that's probably about it, unless you think that Grayson Allen is interesting. I think Grayson Allen's interesting. Uh, did they lose? No, they got Valchunas too. Um, yeah, they've got uh, Justice Winslow, who's an NBA player, right, a decent Justice one. Winslow, Tyus Jones, who's hung around in the NBA here for Sean a while. Sean McDermott can shoot. Yeah. Uh, is Sean McDermott Doug McDermott's brother? I do not know the answer to that. Okay. Um, and, I mean, I thought something really interesting they did this offseason. Xavier Tillman, who they took in the second round, he was the first second-round pick to sign a multi-year deal, signed a four-year contract. And you saw a lot of teams follow suit. I think there's four or five second-round picks that signed four-year contracts this deal, which is not super common. Um, and then, of course, up top, you got Jaron Jackson Jr., you got John Morant. Kyle Anderson's a good player. Uh, so it's a team that's on the right path. Uh, they also took Killian Tilly uh, later in the draft. I mean, it's a team that's that's on the right path. They Killian have a Tilly, future absolute yeah. Superstar in John Morant. Uh, I, I mean, I love it. I've, everything about this franchise I love. They are a team that's never going to be able to get top free agents, uh, but they've made it work. They made a Western Conference Finals not too long ago. Um, Marcus Saul and Mike Conley and Randolph, and they were just an awesome team to watch. And I think they're trying to instill that same thing. It's what the Pistons should be doing where, hey, we're not going to win by being superstars. We're going to win by being the bad boys or by being the go-to-work Pistons. Or by being the grit and grind Grizzlies. Um, and it's just a well-run organization that never bottoms all the way out and always finds a way back to at least contending. Their management, their GM, and their ownership is very like, 
home run or strikeout. You know, they really live by that kind of philosophy. And they've gotten, like, some interesting players out of it. And they've made some misses, too. DeAnthony Melton's, like, a, a pretty good pretty good hit for them, I think. So, Sean McDermott is... <laughs> I'm going to tell you... I'm going to give you, like, three sentences, and you're going to know exactly what kind of player this is. He is, an un, he is a 24-year-old undrafted rookie out of Butler. He's six foot six. So he's going to shoot 41% from three and not be able to do anything else? Sounds like it. From Butler? It, uh, he also is not uh, Dougie McBucket's uh, brother. That's too bad. So. I think that could only work in his favor. Yeah, and he uh, looks like him. Killian Tilly was like a, a big draft buzz guy who fell to the Grizzlies. So that might end up being a really, really good pick for them. Who knows? Yeah. I mean – did it, was he undrafted too? I think he might have went undrafted. Yeah, no. he went undrafted. Killian Tilly did. Yeah, Killian Tilly, the other who I was kind of hoping we were going to sign another French guy, bring him on over. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, he actually fell all the way out of the draft. But you're right; that was a guy who at times was talked about as maybe a late lottery round or a lottery pick at the, yeah, at the I start of the like draft. Top twenty five at least. Yeah. There was a lot of weird stuff like that this year. They had an extra six months to prepare for this draft. They knew everything there was to know about these guys. Uh, so. Brandon Clark, I think, won second place in Rookie of the Year last year, right? Or third place? Maybe. Yeah, he was 12 and 6. Card <laughs> forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Uh, and here to announce our next award uh, is actually somebody who you saw a little bit earlier in the show, Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> well, the award we got here coming up is the best team that isn't the Lakers award. And I got to tell you something about this award. This is an important award, and it's an underrated award. It's a good award that lots of teams win, but nobody thinks about when they get to the end of the year. Uh, Al, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if anybody really understands how tough it is to win this award. I'm going to read you the winner now. Al, the winner is going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are the winner of this award. I'm done doing that. No more Chris Collins. It's so good. It's <laughs> not. There's no way. It is, dude. You got the nuance <laughs> of it down. You got it down. Uh, I think everybody does a Chris Collinsworth. I don't. I don't do any impressions. Uh, before we talk about the Bucks, I think we should talk about other nominees. These nominees included the Nets and Clippers. Okay, we've talked about those people. We're done talking about them, but I wanted to say their name. Now the Bucks. Yeah. Drew Holiday, Giannis, you don't get bugged on. It was a weird offseason. You gave up way too much for Holiday. We already saw Giannis airballing threes in the preseason, but it doesn't matter. If you have Giannis on your team, you are a contender for the best team in the league. It's just that simple. He is the second best player in the world. The second, like, I don't think there should be a discussion. Uh, MVP, yeah. DPOY, guy's awesome. And if he can get it figured out in the playoffs, He's going through a little bit of the LeBron first stint with the Cavaliers stretch where teams just back off of him and say, you got to beat us with a jump shot. And he's not even quite as good at that as LeBron was back then. Um, but if he can get it figured out just a little bit in the playoffs, I mean, he's got to be 10% better and this team's going to the finals. So they surrounded him with a lot of shooting in the offseason, like a lot. Nick Stauskas is in there. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Nicky boy got another NBA yeah, contract. Yeah, Michigan's own Nick Stauskas. By the way, the number of Michigan players that are in the NBA right now is like yeah, dude. really crazy to keep track of. John Beeline developed the hell out of some guys. And uh, not Brent to mention, Forbes? 
Michigan, Michigan State's State. own. Yeah, the, not to mention uh, the only one we're missing from the daunted runner-up uh, NCAA tournament Michigan team is Mitch McGarry. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, if you need like an eighth of weed, call Mitch <laughs> McGarry because <laughs> that's what he does now, pretty openly. Oh, like as like a legal dispensary kind no. of guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? He's just like yeah, the feds are like, listening, but that's fine. He's like the dude on now that they put the stories on Twitter. I don't follow him anymore, uh, but I'm guessing Mitch McGarry is posting videos of him smoking blunts. And be like, ha, ha, ha. Like, he's that guy. Wow. He's, he's something, um, which I got to imagine it's hard watching all your college best friends be successful NBA players. I not. guess. So um, what award were we? T- oh, yeah. We're talking about the Bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the Bucks. I mean, who else do you want guarding Kevin Durant more than Giannis? Nobody. There's no better person to guard that guy in the league. I think they win that matchup. Uh, Drew Holiday on Kyrie and Giannis on Kevin Durant. It's the it's the worst matchup for the Bucks in the entire league, outside of maybe the Lakers. But again, that's why it's this award, the best team who's not the Lakers. Well, I kind of think that it it almost turns that team. So I think that they lose. But the reason why I think that they lose against the Nets is that I think that like Giannis and KD are like they cross each other out, and I think that the defense of uh, Holiday versus the offense of Kyrie, I think those two things kind of cancel each other out. So now you're looking at like spots three through six, and if the Nets stay where they are, the Nets are way better. Karis LeVert and all of those guys, that's way better than Dante DiVincenzo and Tory Craig. Yeah, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I also, Giannis can play about as good of defense as anybody in the league can on KD. They don't have anybody who can guard Giannis. KD can't post torn Achilles. I mean, we haven't seen him enough for that to be 100% fact. He dunked today. I'm very confident that Kevin – yeah, Kevin Durant can almost dunk without jumping. I'm very confident that Kevin Durant cannot guard Giannis in any capacity, at least for the first few months of the season, but I would guess for a year minimum more. Yeah. Uh, it normally takes guys about two years, if at all, if they come back at all from an Achilles to come back all the way. Not, not to mention – KD's getting up towards his mid-30s. I think he's 33 now, 32 maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be the easiest road back. And even though he looks smooth and athletic tonight, they were playing the Wizards and it was a preseason game. Yeah, I was just kidding and, about the – yeah. Yeah, like I just uh, – so I think Giannis can still be enough to take him over that hump is what I'm trying to get at here. Uh, we probably should mention Chris Middleton, and now we have – the 76ers award. The 76ers award is given to the team that seems and like they should be good and everybody thinks they will be good, but they're actually going to be bad. This year's winner, uh, I'm sad but also proud to announce because I'm happy for them that they won, is the Toronto Raptors. Mm, silver lining for the Toronto Raptors this year. Yes. Silver you know, if you're going to fall off this, this all-time high that your franchise has been on, at least win a predictee on the way out. Uh, but it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Gasol's gone. Lowry's a year older. Van Vliet is now getting paid $20 million a year. You'll probably see a little bump from OG. Um, I think Pascal is getting pretty close to as good as he's going to get. I don't see a whole ton of improvement left there. Uh, And I just think that it's time for them to start regressing. Do I think they'll make the playoffs? Yeah. But do I think there's a chance they miss the playoffs? A small one. A very small one, but I I think it's, it's... very possible at the same time. I'm going to say like 13% chance they miss the playoffs. It's just the worst team that it's been. And they showed us at the in the playoffs and in the bubble last year that they aren't – without Kawhi, they can't win a title. Uh, they maybe could have made an Eastern Conference Finals, but I think it's kind of all downhill hill from here. 
the East is a lot better, which I feel like we say every year for the last like three or four years. The East is much deeper this year, and I think that that's going to be at the detriment of the Raptors, who to me are either a seven seed or they miss the playoffs. I think it's a lot greater than 13% chance that they don't make the playoffs this year. They're still well coached and they've still got the infrastructure, but they don't have, there just isn't enough talent to be coached on that team. You're going to need Fred Van Vliet to make a big step forward. And I think you and I both agree that that's probably not going to happen. I think that I'm with you that Pascal Siakam is probably about what he's going to be. Uh, Kyle Lowry isn't going to get any better. You know, right. OG's got maybe a little room left, right? But yeah. we know what OG is at this point. And he's also injured a lot. So. And not only is Kyle Lowry not going to get better, he's going to start getting substantially worse here. Shortly. Eventually, it's going to happen. You know, he's getting up there in age. He's never been the most in-shape guy. The dude just knows how to play basketball as good as is about mm-hmm. anybody, which is what's gotten him through these last couple of years. Uh, but the more where they need him to be that guy again that he was back in the DeRozan days, uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to get that for much longer. So congratulations to the Raptors. Also, we're sorry. We didn't want to give you a negative award. It just was the only one you could get. And now we have the J.R. Smith Award. With no drug testing in the NBA for weed this year, the player or coach that is most likely to take J.R.'s always stoned throne. And the winner is Steve Kerr. Oh, it's a big upset. Big surprise this year. Yes. Uh, You know, we've lost our Matt Barnes. We've we've lost our Steven Jacksons. Apparently we lost Mitch McGarry. Oh, yeah. Mitch McGarry's been (laughs) gone. Who knows if J.R. Smith is ever going to step foot in an NBA game again. Uh, And the only guy left uh, is going to be Steve Kerr, the most glossy red eyeballs I've ever seen in my life every game, uh, who has admitted to partaking in the reefer before. Uh, Congratulations, Steve Kerr. We all know. We all support you. We all love you. Uh, we don't have much else to talk about. We already talked about you tonight, so don't get well, greedy. Let's, <laughs> let's maybe explore this just a little bit. Uh, Steve Kerr, of course, also famous for having horrendous back pain and for having tried, in his own words, many, many different things mm-hmm. to try to keep that back pain away. Uh, I believe you are the person who told me once that in an interview, uh, some player, some player who played with him said that Steve Kerr rolled the tightest blunts. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add to that? I, Steve Kerr, uh, you want to smoke a blunt? If you know, oh, hell good, yeah. you know, just let me know. Just let me know. All right, let's move on. <laughs> That's as douchey as we get on this show, but you got to deal with it sometimes. It's a funny award. Uh, the last award that we're going to give out for the evening, uh, is the, oh shit, we have a game award, AKA the spent the night at the strip club award, AKA the why does John Wall smell like peach body oil award and the winner. And I might've given it away is going to be the Houston Rockets. Perhaps, perhaps the most deserving, deserving recipient of the night, uh, of any award would be the Houston Rockets with this specific award. I mean, they have done everything they can do to earn this award. Oh, boy, haven't they? Whether it's James Harden not showing up for preseason stuff, but going to debate, was it Dub Baby or Little Baby's uh, birthday Dubaby, party? It was, yeah, okay. I think. Uh, or it's John Wall's uh, infamy in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Uh, it's all It's all them, baby. Congratulations. And, and also Houston, a historically great strip club town. Yes, and the only people 
screaming louder that this award was received by the Rockets than the Rockets themselves are local Houston strippers. Uh, congratulations to each and every one of you. Uh, you've made it. Uh, you've got your NBA contract, so to speak, because not now there is not only one James Harden, there's two. Uh, NBA players in strip club in the strip club is the best practice to trickle down economics. Yes, exactly. It you, you nailed you nailed it right on the head there, my friend. Uh, Rockets. If Harden stays, Christian Wood, John Wall's healthy. Are they better than last year? Uh, no. I, 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 again, walked away from last season thinking that the Rockets are going to be underrated for what they actually were. Uh, they were a super good team. They were probably the third or fourth best team in the NBA last year, and it just didn't work out because they played the, they played a, they played the Lakers? Yes. Okay. I think they'll be better. I think they'll be better. Really? I think I think Christian Wood can be something real special on that team because he can fit in an offense where everybody's shooting threes. Christian Wood can shoot the lights out. We all know that here in the city. That dude can shoot. He's 6'10". He's not P.J. Tucker where he's waddling around at 5'4". Uh, he he, he's not playing center anywhere but Houston. But if they want to roll anything similar to what they did last year, even with the new coach, Christian Wood can be an awesome center in that system. And then you, of course, have a top five player in the NBA in James Harden as long as he doesn't get traded. And John Wall isn't going to be the John Wall of old, uh, but he's going to take a backseat to Harden. I, even he can't be dumb enough, even though he thought they were still building around him instead of Beal. Even he can't be dumb enough to think that they're going to put the ball in his hands over Harden. Uh, I think he'll be better at that than Russ was. Um, I think him and Christian Wood work awesome together, pick and roll, pick and pop every time down the court. Same with Harden and Wood. Uh, I think they can be better, and I think this team, if Harden stays and everything clicks, I think they have a chance to win the West, as you always do if Harden's on your team. You always do if Harden. Uh, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that they are like a genuine title contender. Mm-hmm. I think that they are a playoff team and a solid one, but I think that they're closer to the Trailblazers than they are the Lakers. But how can we say that after we saw like James Harden and Chris Paul almost take down the Kevin Durant? Steph Curry Warriors like that's Harden the, hasn't got any worse and Chris or John Wall and Christian Wood combined are at least as good as Paul so, was those years in Houston. I think that you're ga- I think that you're hoping that one that John Wall takes is like still really good. And I don't think that we know that. I I think it would be weird I I think it would be unwise to presume that we're going to get even 85% of John Wall at this point. I mean, he's had two like cataclysmic injuries, two career changing injuries. And if you get 75% of John Wall, that would be a huge win. And 75% of John Wall isn't even as good as Russell Westbrook, nonetheless, Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. You're right. But uh, And Christian you're also, Wood. I think, I think you're, bet, you're putting a lot on Christian Wood. And Christian Wood's a really good player. Uh, do I think that he is going to be the third best player on a title contending team? I think that's a pretty big leap for him to take, especially after he took a huge leap last year. But any team with Harden isn't your normal title contending team. Any team with Harden can win a playoff series against anybody. It's just like if he gets as hot as he can get, they can beat anybody, period. I mean, they can lose a playoff series against them too. We know that. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. But I'm just, this is a team that could make a title run. Is it less so, than 20%? Yeah, it's less than 20%. But. Is the possibility there? It has to be if Harden's there. So your starting lineup is John Wall, uh, James Harden, P.J. Tucker, Christian Wood, and probably Eric Gordon. And then you're probably playing Boogie Cousins off the bench. 
Gerald Green. So that's seven. But by playoff time, if Ben McLemore. If Boogie's okay, Boogie's starting at the five, Christian Wood at the four, Eric Gordon at the three, Harden at the two, Wall at the one, that's a team that can compete for a title. Daniel House is really good for the Rockets. Yeah, Uh, when he's not nailing the COVID testing chicks. (laughs) So what do you Uh, think? He got kicked out of the bubble. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. I forgot. I honestly (laughs) had forgotten about that. So I don't know. Maybe – I guess I see it. I see him as like I still feel the same way though. I don't. I think that they're closer to a six seed than a two seed. Okay, I think they'll be a four seed. So I got them right in the middle. So, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the awards we have to give out wow. in the eleventh annual Predicties. What a night! What a night, Parker! Wow! What an incredible evening! Uh, thank you to all of the celebrities who showed up. Thank you to Josh Childress. Thank you to J.E. Skeets. Thank you to my roommate Casey who made the, the graphic and helped me with some other stuff as well. Uh, wow, just magical! I, I'm tingling still. An unbelievable evening. Some real deserving award winners we have, and thank all of you listening and watching at mm. home. Uh, the predictees would not be possible without you uh, or fan to fan Detroit. Um, so thank you everybody for listening again, if you want to listen to the full, pretty much two hour edition, maybe a little bit less than that, but like hour 45, something like that, uh, Apple podcasts, Spotify, anywhere where you get your podcast, you can go listen to it. Um, other than that, for double P producer Parker, this was your 23rd annual NBA predictees. We will see you next year. Thank you all so much. Peace.